another author from the north who we were chatting to this month is Sarah Schofield, whose short story collection, Safely Gathered In, is out now from Comma Press. Sarah has been shortlisted for the Bridport Prize and the Guardian Travel Writing Competition and has won the Orange New Voices Prize, Writers Inc and the Calderdale Fiction Prize. Sarah is a lecturer in creative writing at Edge Hill University and runs writing courses and workshops in a variety of community settings. Sarah has had her stories published in numerous publications, including Women's Weekly and the Best of British Short Stories 2020, which is published by SALT. So, Sarah, welcome to the Northern Connection. Having read Safely Gathered In already, I really loved how your stories relate to what it means to be human. Could you start by telling us how the collection came about? Yeah, of course. It's it's so lovely to, to be talking to you all and especially having listened to you. Um, I feel like I'm joining a club. It's exciting. <laughs> um, yeah, so how did the collection come about? Um, well... I've been working with the publisher, Comma Press, for almost exactly 10 years now. And we started off um, with um, some commissions that um, when I was really an emerging writer, very, very, very new writer, and they would um, send some commissions my way to have a go at, and it would quite often be into directions that I wasn't always so comfortable with but really stretched me as a writer and gave me an opportunity to try um, writing in different ways like science fiction and creatively responding to writers like Joseph Conrad or um, Stanislaw Lem who is this incredible uh, science fiction writer and also they do a whole series of science interfiction um, anthologies where they partner up writers with scientists who then go off and look at a particular area of research and then the writer goes and writes a piece and it's a collaborative um, collaborative process and those stories then get put into anthologies. So I've been working for a number of years with Comma to put together um, some stories for these different anthologies and it was always with the view to have the collection at one at some point in the future and we've been saying for years oh we need to get that collection sorted we need to get that collection sorted but I've just not I hadn't until very recently felt like I was ready. So they were amazing. They gave me that time and that space to really develop my my style and my voice and try lots of different things and really think about what it was that I wanted to put into a collection because it's, yeah, it's a bit like an album, isn't it? It's like a music album. Mm -hmm. You want to gather the things together that sort of feel that they go together. So, um, yeah, it's it's been a bit of a long process, 10 years, um, but it's felt like the right sort of slow burn way to do it, I think. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. Hopefully it won't be another 10 years before the next one comes out. Yeah. <laughs> Where does your inspiration come from for your stories, Sarah? Oh, that's a great question. And it's a really hard question, isn't it? I think it comes from everywhere. I think um, it comes from conversations. It comes from little news snippets that you see and you think, oh, gosh, that's an interesting premise or an interesting idea. Um, and a story might emerge out of that. It comes out of uh, personal experiences. You might experience something and then think, I need to explore that in fiction. I need to make that into a story. I need to 
process that through a piece of fiction. It might come through conversations with friends. Uh, inspiration might come, often it's from objects. I really love tactile objects and things. And, and you know, this movement that's been recently about decluttering and we all have to throw everything away and make our houses like sparse and empty. I'm kind of the opposite of that. I think, no, let's collect the clutter. <laughs> let's keep all the things that we associate with people and places and times and experiences. And I think objects hold weight and resonance. And I like to explore that and, you know, explore our relationship with those things. Um, so really, I mean, it's, it's, I'm a bit of a magpie probably. Um, I just like to kind of pick things from all over the place and, and, um, yeah or sometimes you might meet an interesting person and want to explore what makes them tick and so you can kind of do that by fictionalizing them or their their job or some aspect of, of them and, and creating a fictional character to explore a bit more about how they how they work so yeah all over the place <laughs> fantastic and do you have themes that you think you return to again and again yeah, definitely. I think all writers do, don't they? We all find that we're, I think sometimes I find that right, we're, we're sort of just telling the same story over again, over and over again in, in different formats or in different ways. Um, but, but that's kind of, yeah, that's something that, that might, that might be sort of part of my storytelling. Um, I'm kind of interested in old toys, wind up toys, things that, um, that have been maybe tucked away and rediscovered. Um, a major theme in the whole collection is an idea about saudade, which is a Brazilian word that is kind of, it, it's about nostalgia, it talks into nostalgia, but not in the kind of way we might think about nostalgia. We think of nostalgia as being something fluffy and light. We might have a nostalgic conversation with our mates about, you know, when we used to go out in our diamond tees and our heels and <laughs> we might feel all nostalgic about that. But this is the nostalgia that Saudade represents is much deeper and kind of like heartfelt and almost like pain, a pain. Um, and I might, I might not be fully understanding Saudade properly because I'm not from that culture. But there's this idea that all different cultures have better words for nostalgia. So it's kind of like, I wanted to explore that a bit in the work. So I think each story has a sense of nostalgic longing for something or someone or a place or a time that may or may not even existed. So that's the, that's a thread that sort of runs through all the stories, which is kind of the end story, nostalgia for beginners sort of draws all of those threads, hopefully a little bit more together to give a bit of unity, um, but yeah. Yeah, nostalgia. Love it. It's <laughs> really fascinating, actually. Yeah, Do you feel nostalgia for things? Do you do you get that kind of deep mm. nostalgia? Yeah. yeah, it's almost like um, you know, kind of you know when you have them deja vu moments as well, yes. where something comes back to you really vividly yeah. from your past, and yeah, yeah it's yeah, yeah, right. and, and that yeah. When you sort of hold, I think it's. I don't know if you've had this experience with like if you find an old uh, children's book that maybe you read when you were a child and then you read it again like years later and the pictures, the illustrations. Oh, my goodness. It does something, doesn't it? So <laughs> that's the feeling that I'm sometimes wanting to capture in a piece of work that kind of for this collection, that sort of uh, almost like when something takes you by surprise, it takes you to a place 
almost by surprise so yeah yeah that's great thank you and can I ask who your favorite short story writer is <gasps> that's impossible yeah I won't give you a definitive answer because it's too oh my goodness that's so hard it's like saying who's your favorite child <laughs> um, can't answer that one um yeah I, oh it's really difficult I I um I find that hard to answer because I like so many writers for different reasons and for different um, for different moments. Uh, it's like, you know, when someone says, oh, what's your favourite singer or what's your favourite band? It's like, it depends what mood you're in, doesn't it? Yeah. So I find that hard to answer. I can tell you um, there's writers that I often come back to, um, like Hilary Mantel. I don't know if you've read her novels, but her short fiction is... I just find it remarkable, like remarkable. And writers like Adam Marrick, I don't know if you've come across Adam Marrick's short fiction. Um, he uses, um, he's really good at thinking about um, clashing together, like the mundane every day, but with super sort of, um, it's called artifice fiction, but you take an element that's so surreal and impossible and kind of throw it together with into the mundane. Um, if you've read, Kafka's Metamorphosis, you know, the story about the man that wakes up one day and finds out he's turned into a huge, hideous insect. It's that concept of like this really surreal thing dropping into an otherwise normal world. I love fiction that does that. Um, and then I think when I'm asked who my favourite writers are, I have to kind of go, well, I can tell you who I'm reading at the moment, who I'm loving at the moment. And I can answer that. So I would say um, I'm just I've just been um, just an event with a writer um, called C.D. Rose, Chris Rose. Um, and he's he's uh, done these three books that kind of go together. So there's one that's called Biographical, Biographical Dictionary um, of, oh, of Forgotten Writers. I might have that title slightly wrong. Sorry, Chris. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's, like a, it's like a compodium of um, sort of imagined um, writers that have dropped out of uh, existence or dropped out of people's attention. And it's so brilliant. For people like you who love reading and love literature, it's like a gift because you, um, as you're reading, you're kind of like seeing the threads of readers or writers that you love, um, books that you love. And it's like there's lo it feels like loads of little like Easter eggs that are hidden for, you know, <laughs> readers that are, are readers, readers. Um, and then he followed that up with a book called Who's Who When Everyone Is Pretending to Be, When Everyone Is Someone Else. I probably got that title wrong as well. Sorry. <laughs> um, but it's it links in and it's this um, the, a character who is also called C.D. Rose, who is traveling uh, in this uh, unnamed but sort of maybe Eastern European feeling uh, place, um, giving a lecture tour on the biographical dictionary texts. And so um, Chris writes in the guise of different writers and it's so fascinating um, to sort of see how he does that. And then the third collection that comes sort of after that, that's just been released is called The Blind Accordionist. And that's stories that are like, pretend to be written by this, um, this created character that have been discovered. And it's just, when you love literature, it's sort of it's doing something really fun with the form sort of experimental and just really interesting um so yeah I'm really enjoying C.D. Rose's work at the moment um 
I'm loving Lucy McKnight Hardy's oh. Dead Relatives, which I think you've all read. Yeah, it's fabulous. And you loved it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's brilliant, isn't it? I just think she's an amazing writer and edge of the seat, nail biting. Yeah gut-wrenching yeah, brilliantly gut-wrenching's the word that yes was. yeah the image of the the little girl going to feed things <laughs> the tree oh <laughs> amazing amazing so yeah i have the last that and i'm you not ready now you need no to read i'm gonna have to read it the yeah. last line of that first story i think i said on our halloween one it was like yes <laughs> <laughs> is this the thing that this is not the thing about the mushroom no no, that's the mushroom's well. Mexican Gothic. Ah, that's right. No, that's right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I can't tell you what it is. You've just got to read it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's sound, sounding very much like. Um, have you read um, "Famished" by Anna Vart? Yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh, that's got some amazing Freaky. little stories in it yeah. as well that make you really want to throw up. <laughs> <laughs> In a good way, Anna. Yeah. In a good way. I love it. <laughs> I think it's that it's you know when you have a visceral reaction, mm. especially to short fiction, because you can't always do that with a novel because you have to really, you have to really love the characters in the novel, don't you? But with a short story, you can do anything. You can have a character that is so unlikable because you're yeah. just with them for that yeah. short period of time, and that's amazing, isn't it? You can go anywhere. Um, and have people with really questionable moral compasses as well, you know, because it's They're that best sort of people, aren't they? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely, <laughs> definitely. Oh yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, I have to I have to mention as well um, Vanessa on Muemzi, um, her dark neighbourhood collection as well. Just while we're on recommendations, I just think she is incredible, fresh original so if you haven't read that that's out with Fitzcarraldo um check that out um it's just doing something really new and you know when you read something and you kind of like oh yeah. it just feels yeah original right, yeah. Yeah. yeah so um yeah You're exploding the TBR again here yeah. <laughs> sorry <laughs> I, I have one more sort of in that vein so because N November for us is is all about the north um, so would you be able to recommend a book with a northern connection so whether it's a setting or a publisher or an author wow okay well I mean in terms of like in terms of publishers we, we're, we're doing so well around uh, the northwest for publishers particularly of um, short fiction and I think that's really to be so celebrated um, there's um yeah there's there's so much kind of happening around the north and there's lots of publishers coming this way too which is brilliant and yeah. they're finally realizing how awesome it is <laughs> to <not> see it. <laughs> and how how rich and how uh exciting um yeah i mean in terms of oh gosh in terms of of northern writers um cd rose and uh, i think lucy mcknight would also would they count? I mean, definitely CD Rose counts as Northern. Um, I mean, Jen Ashworth, anything she writes is just amazing, um, without question. Ghosted. Have you read that yet? That's, I bought that with my birthday money. It's on, <laughs> on my TBR pile, so it's probably one of the next ones I'm going to yeah. read. Yeah, I just think re just remarkable. Um, and then I often come back to um, uh, Andrew Michael Hurley. 
Yeah, I've read Starvaker. That that's yeah. fabulous. Kind of in yeah. the Lucy McKnight heart, you know, in that kind of vein as well. Yeah, like Dead Relatives. It's very creepy. Very. And he wrote the the Loney as well. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. that's right. That was the the first one, wasn't mm. it? Just yeah. remarkable. Mm. Yeah. Um. So yeah, and probably a million others that um <laughs> I I'll kick myself later. I should have said that person. Um. But yeah. Um. Yeah, we're we're just bursting at the seams in the north, really, aren't we? With with publishers, with writers, and um, yeah, it's to be celebrated. Absolutely. So, do you um, do you do a lot of research for your stories? I'm assuming so, and kind of what's your process? Yeah, I think yeah, I do. It depends. Obviously, some things take a bit more research. Um, if it's, uh, for example, there's a story in the collection. Um, called The Third Place and it's all about um, a taxidermist and it's a story that I've had kicking around for a little while now um, but when I first wrote it um, well, I'm still ma- massively intrigued by the idea of taxidermy I think it's a beautiful art form and you know I think sometimes it's misconceived because people think that people go out and actually kill the animal to taxidermist but actually that's not really how it works they find animals that have already deceased and then kind of recreate their um the them to, to look animated to look alive and i just think that's such an amazing process and, and intriguing how you can sort of do that um but um so yeah for research for that i went and did a taxidermy course wow <laughs> And I've got quite a, I've got quite a strong constitution. I've sort of had cats my whole life that bring in sort of <laughs> half dead things and I'm usually fine with it, but actually faced with a little white mouse <laughs> that had passed away of natural causes. I, it was quite, um, yeah, it was quite difficult. <laughs> it, was, it was quite challenging. Um, but yeah, I think research generally, I try and get things factually right. Um and that might be by sort of internet research, or it might be about talking to somebody who knows. Um, the story um, Rejoice, the story called Rejoice, that's set uh, sort of in uh, probably now, actually, when I wasn't writing it, it was probably set sort of a few months in the future, but now it's probably set kind of around now. Um, that was all about um, uh, COVID and the sort of side effects of, of um, living sort of after COVID. Um, I did quite a lot of research there because I wanted to make sure that I was representing things correctly. Um, but yeah, often it's it's um, it's just lots and lots of internet googling, and you fall down all sorts of strange <laughs> Google holes <laughs> um, on your journey, and then you find other ideas for other stories, and that's quite exciting in itself. So yeah, yeah, fantastic. So what, in your opinion, are the successful components for a successful short story? For a short story? Yeah. I have a theory about short stories that when you experience something or there is something in the world that can't be kind of neatly packaged into a word or a phrase, that's where a short story can blossom. So it's it's the space that needs to be explored and and um uh investigated but where there isn't kind of a neat phrase or word that would work there and so a short story kind of seeks to put words or put context onto that thing 
because when I'm writing a story, I want to look at something, but allow my reader to kind of look at it with me. So I am kind of like putting it under the microscope almost. I want to kind of go, come and look at this thing with me, mm-hmm. come and investigate mm-hmm. this thing. And we're all going to probably get something slightly different from it. And that's good. That's how it should be. Um, but for me, a short, the best short stories are the ones that kind of allow you that space as a reader to go towards the thing that it's exploring that isn't quite articulatable. Articulatable? Is that even a word? Um, <laughs> it should be. Yes, it is now. That can't quite be articulated. Um, and that's that's what that, you know, that for me, that's what the best short stories do. They give space to something that's slightly inexpressible um, and allow the writer to explore it, but give enough space for the reader to explore it too. Um, mm-hmm. it's, that, it's that relationship with the reader, isn't it? That for me is the, you know, the moment when I have a really good experience of the short story, it's because I feel like I'm almost in something with the writer. You know, we're like looking at a thing together. Um, yeah, that sounds a bit waffly. I don't know if that's <laughs> if that resonates for you at all that's as readers. Fascinating. That's, that's fascinating. And I think I completely get what you're saying, actually. Yeah. And I think that's, I know Emma reads a lot of short stories and I know that mm. I read a lot of short stories. And I think mm. when there's that room for interpretation in a mm. short story and that room for sort of questioning, it's really satisfying. So, yeah, mm. definitely. Mm. Yeah. Would you ever consider developing one of your short stories into a longer piece of writing or have you written a, a novel mm. or is that something you'd consider doing? That's a really good question. I I don't think... Um, no, I don't, I, don't, I don't think I would. The ideas that I have t- generally tend to be the size that they are. Mm. And if I tried to kind of make them longer, I just don't know if it would work. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a short story writer. Um, maybe one day I'll write a novel, but I don't feel, I mean, it'd make me <laughs> maybe more money. Probably <laughs> <laughs> in novels and short stories. But, um, but I, don't, I don't feel... Um, pull to the Mm. novel length so yeah I recently I uh met with some uh we had an event in Sheffield and I was talking to some of the people the the participants there and we were talking about the difference between um when you adapt a short story to a film compared to when you adapt a longer form novel to a film and it was really it was really interesting that we were identifying lots of short stories that made brilliant films that we'd all loved. But then the ones that we weren't so happy with were uh, like novels that had been converted into films. They didn't see, a lot of those didn't seem to sit quite as comfortably and we were thinking and talking about why that was and thinking about, um, you know, in a novel, when you adapt that to a film, you have to sort of suck a lot of juice out of it, don't you, to fit mm. it in. Whereas with a short story, because it's got that kind of one idea or that one thread running through it or that one kind of emotional tone or whatever, that kind of seems to work better for a film uh, length. Um, and I, yeah, I don't know. I think as a writer, I that sits more comfortably with me. Mm. Um, and there's a there's an amazing writer called Caroline Smales, and she I was talking to her about this a while ago, um, a couple of years ago now actually. But and it's it stayed with me what she said because I, I, it does come back round in my mind every now and again. And she said that like approach writing a novel 
as if you're just writing a series of short pieces um, and the chapters just operate as short stories and but they but they're they're linked and they work together and I was like okay maybe maybe one day um, <laughs> but um, yeah at the moment I just I'm just passionate about short fiction and um, I quite I'm quite interested in radio drama as well so I think mm. that will be the next thing that I might have a go at are you listen do you listen to the radio much are you keen radio drama listeners I just listen to yeah. a bit of music when I'm in car that's all really yeah. I tried to get into audio books as well but oh, I love I, I love audio books yeah the BBC, BBC archive for a short I tend to listen to a lot of the short stories yeah. on there yeah uh, yeah <laughs> yeah, there's, there's some fantastic resources there and, and they're podcasting a lot of it now aren't they so yeah it's a little bit more accessible but um yeah I, there's something quite intimate about being read a story isn't there and it can feel almost a bit too much sometimes but yeah but actually linking there I was listening I've, I've started listening to one and I haven't finished it but it was Lucy Caldwell was I think she spoke to comma about the short story and it was just fascinating because yeah. she's completely passionate about short stories as well yeah. um yeah so it was that's what i'm listening to at the moment and we'll yeah. go back to it's really, My really interesting interest yeah. has arrived today emma oh it's so fabulous <laughs> i've read about the first two paragraphs and i've just like thought right i can never write anything again it's all the story you know that kind of oh what the what am I playing at even thinking about that you know yeah That's, it's um, enjoy them yeah it's a bit mortifying isn't it when you yeah you just connect with something you think oh <laughs> I just I came across Lucy Caldwell this year and um then I just had to buy everything you know yeah. that she's she's done and and in the summer I'd been reading um intimacies yeah. And then that that story, which um, has just won the BBC Short Story Prize, mm. when that won it, I was like, I knew it! It's me! <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. Such a fabulous story. And mm. I, I've read it loads. I keep going back mm. to it and it's just so mm. beautiful. Mm. Yeah. So anyway, I'll stop talking about that no, it's now. <laughs> yeah, no, she's, she is an, a remarkable writer. Yeah. Um, can you tell us what you might be working on now or what you've got coming up in the future yeah so radio play um mm. i'll be working on a radio play i've got that kind of halfway on the way somewhere i don't know i keep talking about it now so i think <laughs> you've got to do it <laughs> ah, um so that's yeah that's on the cards and um i I will start working on my next collection mm. quite soon as well um so that is going to be um i'm really intrigued in like found texts so um like yeah so in in safely gathered in the the title story sort of lifts the idea of like lists and uh text that sort of feels like advertising for self store a self storage unit mm -hmm. and i wanted to kind of experiment with like texts that feel like they shouldn't be in a short story, but they are. So I want to experiment a bit more with that and to see how far I can kind of push that, that kind of found texts. I'm intrigued by the way language sits on the page and looking at things like, you know, like Facebook community forums, the things, the types <laughs> of things, the tone of that. So I want to kind of lift from that. I'm really keen to use some uh, community forum <laughs> content in a story somewhere. Uh, 
and like tr yeah pushing things together um and seeing how things sit next to each other so my next collection i think will have a theme of of sort of found text or um yeah like object trouvé but but literary trouvé almost yeah oh, i love that it sounds great oh thank you <laughs> Well, yeah. thank you very much, Sarah. For... I just wrote a piece of flash for last week that was a Facebook forum. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, it's hilarious. Um, Rachel very often sends me what she writes. Um, and yeah, it's fabulous. It's so funny. So all, all about something that kicked off. <laughs> oh, that's amazing that is brilliant as so this is an app this is a real thing that really really happened no it's not a real thing that really happened it's, it's part of three flash fiction pieces that i've written that are connected but the oh. middle one is i we have a local facebook forum that i kill myself laughing at on a very yes. regular basis yes and i keep too. saying to my husband i'm gonna write a piece of flash fiction about that and he's like don't you dare don't you dare <laughs> So um, that's amazing. Flash fiction is this Facebook forum. And, oh, that's uh, I would love to read that. And I think well, that sounds like such an amazing, because it's so rich, isn't it? Well, I'm if you're really serious about it, I will send you. I, I would, I would love, I would love to read it. And, and um, I, yeah, it's the, it's it was the, the funniest, it was the most fun I've had writing anything in ages, actually. Oh, it's amazing. And I managed to get dog poo in there. <laughs> oh amazing amazing it's all about fireworks at the moment everyone is kicking off about fireworks on our facebook forum <laughs> and um i just sit back and eat the popcorn <laughs> but so uh, yeah it's quite exciting isn't it but i yeah i would love to read that i would really oh love you're to gonna regret saying that sarah but I'll <laughs> <laughs> well thank you very much for talking to us sarah it's been fabulous oh. um Thanks Would you mind me. doing us a little reading before you go? Yeah, of course I can. Um, how about I read from the opening story? Would that be okay? Mm -hmm. um, so this is this is the opening um, story to the collection, and it's called Dead Man's Switch. And just to give you a little bit of um, context, because I think it's sometimes hard listening to a story just read cold, um, but to, to give you a little bit of an insight, it's a story about a woman who um, was married to a man for many years. Um, he's he's now um, passed away um, quite recently in the story. Um, but Emmy, the woman in the story, has started receiving emails from him that he has set up to be delivered to her at sort of apt moments um, to help prompt her, to remind her to do things at certain times, uh, kind of mundane jobs like um, kind of car maintenance and subscriptions and things like that. Um, so yeah, um, and it's, yeah, it was actually prompted uh, by, um, I actually received an email from uh, my, my dad um, years after he passed away <laughs> in my inbox um, that was just a server glitch. It wasn't actually from him at all. It was just some weird email server glitch, but it, it made me stop and think, oh gosh, what if you could somehow set up emails to land in people's inboxes years into the future? You know, if it was like set up that, you know, um, like a kind of um, a system. Um, so yeah, that's a little premise of what the story's about, but I'll just read the, um, first uh, couple of paragraphs, if that's okay, just to give people a flavour. So this is Dead Man's Switch. Today, Emmy received another email from her dead husband. She would like it, him, to stop. She says this to Kath, 
when she rings in the afternoon. Technically speaking, he already has, Kath says, then adds, David was a forward planner. It's not funny, Emmy says. I'm not laughing. Her sister sounds distracted and Emmy imagines her ironing her towels while they're talking. When did you get it? This morning, I was in bed. Emmy doesn't mention that at the time she'd had her toes pressed into the warmth between Gary's calves, although Kath already knows all about Gary. What did it say? Kath says. Emmy braces the phone against her ear and kneels on the bedroom floor. She pulls open David's drawers and stares at his, at his socks, rolled like maki sushi. Similar vein to the last one. She scoops the contents onto the floor. At the back of the drawer are three packets of Fisherman's Friends and two sets of knitting needles. She tears the corner off one of the sweet packets and pops one into her mouth. What exactly does it say? Kath asks. Emmy rolls the lozenge around her tongue. Hang on, I'll put you on speaker. Right, it says the MOTM, it's due next week. Of course, you may have forgotten all about it. It's very simple. Gary at Carlton's has always been great to deal with. Oh God, says Kath. I know, says Emmy. Emmy hears the iron hiss. She sucks on the sweet and looks at the unfurling socks. She stuffs them back into the drawer. And had you forgotten? Kath asks. And I'll leave that there. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's so good. I love, oh, thank you. I love that story. Yeah. Oh, thank you Dream so much. Story. <laughs> so before you go, uh, we do always ask authors who come onto our podcast a particular question, which Ooh. is Rachel's question. So I'll let her ask you. <laughs> This start, I started this one by accident, really. Um, so my coffin book, like, my book that I will be buried with, is Wuthering Heights. What's your coffin book? Oh, my gosh. You see, I did know about this question. And, <laughs> like, a bit from listening previously, and I just did not think to think of this in advance, which is uh, a like failing. Like a sausage sandwich question. You know, that red sauce, brown sauce. Kind of <laughs> yeah, I'll yeah. Think. It's yeah, it's a great and an important question. Um, wow. I oh goodness me. I think it would have to be. Um, and it's a little bit it's a little bit of a cop out. No, it isn't a cop out at all. It isn't a cop out. So I and I've talked about this to other people as well. Um uh but I've and the more I've talked about it, the more I've thought about it. And the more I've thought about it, the more I've realised what it is I love about this book. And um, it's um, it's a children's book, actually. It's a children's book and it's called Mrs. Pepper Potts Busy Day. Um, do you know it? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> What's that uh, Right. Well, there we go. Right there. Um, that's <laughs> it. So Mrs. Pepper Potts Busy Day is a book that I read endlessly as a child and it holds such nostalgic weight for me and it's all about this little um this this woman who suddenly for no reason whatsoever wakes up one morning finds that she's shrunk to the size of her pot and has to do all of her daytime tasks has to overcome all these hurdles but does it with this like audacious sort of attitude and just she's just brilliant she's just brilliant and I love her and as a character and there's a I kind of could picture myself in the story as a child 
And the more I've mentioned this a few times and I've realized that it's my earliest experience of an artifice story, which is this idea I was speaking about earlier, this idea of smashing together the mundane with the fantastical and there not being a reason for the fantastical. It just drops in for no reason, no explanation. It's just a thing that happens in the story. And I've realized that that's why I love that story so much. And I've realized why that's why it's stayed with me. And that's why I love those kind of stories so much. So that's the story that I would like in my coffin, if <laughs> I may. Um, I know it maybe isn't entirely legitimate because it's a children's book, but um, I think sometimes it's important to remember our, yeah. our reading room, isn't it? Yeah, and you can have whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure Siobhan had um, Alice in Wonderland, so that's mm-hmm. a, co- mm-hmm. a children's book. I think that's a translated book as well, isn't it? Because isn't yes. it a Swedish author? Yes, it yeah. is. It is. And it's, um, yeah, it's just beautifully illustrated as well. And, uh, yeah, um, at one point she, she needs the dishes doing, so she gets her cat to lick them clean, <laughs> which as a child I was like, yeah, I mean, that's entirely legitimate. But it's really, <laughs> like, riding on the cat, I think, to the local farm, doesn't she, at one point or something? Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. And she just bosses the clouds around. She needs it to rain. She just like tells that she's just like rain, clouds. Can you just come here? Can you just pour down into this brook? And she she's just amazing. So in terms of like character dynamic, um, I'm sure we have it here somewhere. I'm sure my daughter. Do- I know I had a copy, and I'm sure my daughter had was bought another copy actually. So we will probably have that. Wonderful. I love that you've got that. <laughs> yeah. Well, on behalf of all of us, Sarah, thank you for joining us tonight. It's been fabulous. And I think we were chatting before about what a rubbishy day we've all had. And I think that's been the end to the day, a good end to the day. That resonates for me too. It's been a bit of a long day and it's just been so lovely. Thank you for welcoming me and onto the podcast. And thank you for what you do because it's it's brilliant and it's just uh, so... Um, inspiring and yeah I mean I'm spending a lot more money on books now so (laughs) (laughs) so are we so are we (laughs) thank you thank you thank you well as always thank you for joining us at the Northern Connection we've one final installment as part of our Northember episodes and we're going to be sharing our own favourite books with A Northern Connection. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And you can follow us on Twitter, at Northern Conpod, and on Instagram, The Northern Connection. Bye for now. <laughs>